Grace and peace upon you, Fresno First family. Good morning. VBS was awesome. As you can see, myself, I'm in my VBS gear as well as some of the kids. Miss Heather's going to come up and just share with us a little, in a little bit uh, about our VBS week. It was, it was amazing. Uh, God's presence was definitely felt. And... Uh, and the Holy Spirit touched the lives of, of some of our children in, in, in an eternal way. I'll let Miss Heather share more. And today is not just any other day. Today is the Lord's Day. The day we gather as God's people and worship to, to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. It's a day that we step out of our routines. That we take time to find rest for our souls that allow the Holy Spirit to reform us more into the image of God that has been distorted because of the world that we live in, which is full of sin. This is the day we refer to commonly as the Sabbath, and it's a day that is to be wholly set aside by God. And if you're new, welcome. We are so thankful that you're worshiping here with us. We do ask you to fill out a connection card so we can stay uh, connected, keep you up to date on all the happenings that are here. You can put your connection card in the connection box in the back or on the door in the office. And with that, let's go to the Lord as his people love. Oh, I love that. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and lift our prayers up to you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, you are our God, and you extend your holy love upon us. Now we thank you for this space that reminds us to whom we belong and to whom gives us life. You created us on purpose and, and for purpose, Lord. And as we hear your word, we ask you to, to just let us absorb it and write it upon our hearts that we may practice it and be more and more revealing of your image and likeness in which you created us in design. Forgive us of our pride and justification of sin and help us to forgive those that sin against us. Help us to love more. Help us to sin less in thought and word and action. We ask your favor upon your good, very good creation. Please be with our leaders and speak to them globally, nationally, and locally. Heal those among us that are, that are suffering emotionally, physically, and mentally, and spiritually that need healing. And we thank you, Lord, for who you are and for who, who you created us to become. We owe you everything. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. If you're able, would you please stand for as we enter into worship with song? <clears throat> the, we don't often think and, 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 or remember that, that God is with us always. His presence is with us always, whether we recognize it or not. And so in this, in His presence, we have life. And in His presence... We have hope and we have freedom and we have healing. And in his presence, we become whole. In your presence, there is freedom. There is hope in your presence. 
always goes before us. Your glory has no end. God, you never leave me. You may be seated. Miss Heather? <clears throat> so we had an amazing time. VBS was a, a beach theme, and we're excited. Come on, guys. Everybody in tie-dye, Everybody in tie-dye come on up. So mud doesn't have to. You got me, Benjamin? All right. So we have Bible school this week, and um, those of you that were able to come out and join us, thank you so much. Um, it's really those adults coming and just spending time and loving on the kids that makes it what it is. We had about 20 kids come over the week, the four days, and um, we did a lot. 
we uh, we did some laughing and some singing and uh, some coordinated movement, and we uh, we might have yelled at points. Uh, there was some crying, I'll admit it. It wasn't for many of the adults, though. Um, so that was a win, right? Um, we did some surfing. We did some learning. We did some crafting. We blinged out some sunglasses. We uh, made these lovely shirts. We also uh, decorated some beach balls. We did some wild games that on paper did not look quite as wild as they did in person. Um, were the games wild? Were there moments when we were out of control? Perhaps. Pastor. I mean, no. Actually, pastor didn't even show up. Who came to Bible school? And Mr. Mudd came to Bible school. Pastor did not even come. We learned a lot of surfing lingo because it was summer fun, so everything was themed on summer and fun. And uh, so we're going to sing a couple of our songs, and we ask that you join us. They're easy. They are our Bible verses. We did four Bible verses, and our songs are the Bible verses. So they may seem familiar to you. Please sing along. We'll put the words up there. Benjamin's going to come up and uh, surf for us on this one, because we learned... um, you know the surfing one? What is the one word that's in the... What is it? What's that word? The second one? Oh, you're doing that one for the second one? Okay, never mind. On the second one, what's that word where we do this? Righteous. Yeah, they're quiet now. All week they have not been quiet. Um, and what was that hand signal that Mud taught you with the thumb pointing at... Jesus, and then the finger point and everything else that's going on, but the most important big is pointing at Jesus, right? Okay, we're ready then.
Thank you, Miss Heather, and thank you, crew. Benjamin did not wipe out at all this week while he was surfing, which was really, really cool. So this character, because I wasn't at, at VBS, I just heard about it, but there was a guy named Mud that the kids are talking about that apparently looked a lot like me, but he spoke in, if you ever saw Finding Nemo, he spoke like the turtle. So it was one of those like, what's up everybody? You know, hey, let's go surfing. So it was that kind of thing. We don't need to get into that with the adults. And so, so with that, why? Because we're all standing up. Um, let's go ahead and pray for our offering, and Timmy's going to come on down, and then we can pass the peace. I think the highlight of of this vacation Bible school was Pastor wearing socks and flip flops. That was weird. Okay, all right. You know, right now, it seems like the thing we talk about most is the heat. And I see Linda back there fanning away, and we all do that. And I was thinking while we were sitting here listening to these kids and, and watching little Annabelle's face, and I thought, you know, I have been pretty grumpy this week. And Pastor said something, and it was about leading into the song, In His Presence. And I thought, oh, Lord, I am so convicted of this. I am convicted. He is still here no matter how hot it is. And I'm thankful I'm not in Death Valley. I'm not in Phoenix. I'm just here in Fresno. So you know what? Let's practice in his presence. Let's go to prayer right now about our offering. Dear Father, we just have so much to thank you for. And I was thinking about the offering, Lord God, the tithes and the offering. There's so many ways of giving, Lord. And how many opportunities do we miss? Father, I just pray that you will help us all to be aware of the opportunities, whether it's calling somebody that's, that's been missing a while, whether it's helping somebody, whether it's a plate of cookies, no matter what it is. And Father, I thank you for every penny that has been put in the offering and the tithes this week. I just pray, Lord, it's so important that we keep a good, clean name with Jesus Christ, our Savior. And our church needs to do that, too. We need to make our bills. We need to pay them on time. We need to have a clean record, have a clear record. We are his representatives. And I thank you, Father, for each person in here. This is a wonderful family. And, Lord, I'm so thankful I am part of this family. And you are our head. You are our leader. Oh, God, we have so much to thank you for. And I pray that you will take this offering this week. And I pray, Lord God, that you would just blow it up. Do so much with it, Lord, to bring glory to your name. I pray, Father, for every face here this morning, every smile. Lord, just use us in every way possible. And thank you for Heather and the group that did their vacation Bible school for these kids. Thank you, Father. Each one of us is a part of my family. I'm in your presence. Help me to practice that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Timmy. And I just want to go ahead and brag on our kids. They raised over, I believe, $350 for missions this week, which is incredible. And the boys won the competition, but that's not important right now because the boys won. It's about missions. 
All right, so I threw that blurb in. Hey, you know what? It's time to pass the peace where we just stand up and greet one another. We haven't seen each other. We've been holing up in our air-conditioned homes. And so ask someone how they've beat the heat over the last week.
Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. As we get uh, get going here, I'll give it back to Pastor. I have a few quick announcements for you all. Um, Connect crew, sign up is in the lobby, and the first meeting is going to be after church today. It's going to be just a quick 15-minute meeting, and uh, that's going to be for the Connect crew. In so fellowship hall. In the fellowship hall, yeah, in the yeah. fellowship hall after uh, after service. So if you're doing that, I uh, look forward to that. And then uh, 24 hours of prayer, August 4th. That's going to be 5 p.m. start to August 5th, 5 p.m., 24 hours. Uh, sign-ups are going to be in the lobby, and uh, that's going to be a really good time for, for prayer and growth there. Uh, and then our grow group. Um, the book is really good. It's short. I encourage you, if you want to join the group, uh, you can. It's going to be on August 3rd, 6.30 to... Um, well, maybe like 8, 7.30. Um, and then that's going um, to, again, the book is in the back, I believe. They still have some copies, and uh, it's not a long read, so if you want to join us, um, welcome to. And then the last announcement I have is for uh, VBS. Uh, Heather had kind of uh, let me know to make an announcement for this. Um, the funds that we used for VBS were about $60 short. So if anyone wants to contribute to that, uh, you can. Just make that out in the offering. You can put a note for VBS and... What I want to mention was that um, VBS Heather does an amazing job, sets it up, and uh, kind of Pastor Jason was reminding me that the really cool moment um, in that the kids um, on the third night, Pastor had uh, put his message to the kids about, you know, really giving their lives to the Lord and then kind of a prayer of salvation. And there were three kids that said they'd pray that for the first time. Abel was one of them. And um, I really think that that's at the heart of VBS. So it's just a great time. And it's, uh, as Pastor Jason said, I'm going to steal his. It's about souls. And that's what it's about. So just a, a note there at the end. So thanks, Pastor. Cool. Thank you, Jordan. <clears throat> and if you have your Bibles and apps, we're going to be landing in the Gospel of Mark 2, 23 through 28 this morning. There we go. As we talk about a Sabbath life, uh, feel free to open your Bibles. Uh, in the Pew Bible, it's on page 708. See, as a pastor, I try to live with integrity. I, I do my best to honorably preach the Word of God and to live it out by example. Live it and preach it, preach it, live it. Keep it real, keep it simple. But there's a problem. The, uh, how do you preach something that you don't do very well at best and often fail miserably in application. You see, the world is full of hypocrites. We like to go ahead and point them out at every area of life. Uh, people that speak out both sides of the mouth, their, their actions and their words are, are completely different. So I really want to be transparent this morning as we look at what it looks what it looks like to begin to live and embrace a Sabbath life. See, as my entire life as a Christ follower, I've been struggling what it means to take a Sabbath, which means to take a day off to renew and to grow in the presence of the Lord. And, and not just once or twice a year or once a month, but every week. Once a week. Every single week. You know, I was thinking about what that looks like, and the closest thing I could think of it, for me, finding a, and embracing a true Sabbath life has been kind of like searching for Bigfoot. And so the, when I do find it, oftentimes, which happens on occasion, where you hit that sweet spot, I, sometimes I just don't know what to do with it. You know, I know what a Sabbath life is not. 
A Sabbath life is not falling down exhausted from never stopping from working. A Sabbath life is not working on your days off. A Sabbath life is not having chest pains, anxiety, and spinning our wheels to, to finish the work week. A Sabbath life is not just justifying that we love God and we're going to live as maids and butlers to everybody and all people 24 hours a day. And if we don't embrace that, then I guess we just don't love Jesus enough. A Sabbath life is not burning ourselves out and burning out those around us. A Sabbath life is not death by a thousand paper cuts from all the tasks and stresses that we have in our everyday life, whether you are in school, whether you're working or whether you're retired, we all know what that feels like. A Sabbath life is not trying to catch our breath because we're trying to do that one more thing at the end of the day. And then finally, playing catch up. A Sabbath life is not a set of rules. A Sabbath life is not a day that we set aside for zero activity. And so I ask you, with all the sincerity in my heart, and humbly, will you accept the message from a pastor that is doing his best to live out, but doesn't example very well, what I'm about to preach? If possible, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? The Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verse 23 through 28. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, <coughs> uh, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to them, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abathir was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and he gave some to his companions." Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This has been the word of God. And all of God's people said, thanks be to God. You may be seated. <coughs> you know, today we're going to be looking at what it means to be a people of the resurrection, to live in the fullness of life in which God designed from the very beginning, which is being the people of God, instead of fully, solely and completely fixating on just doing the things of God or for God, which allows us to grow and to renew our souls more and more into His image because when we practice a Sabbath, we become beings. Finding rest in the presence of God as we engage in the mission of God and connect, grow, and serve. And today we're looking at what it means to, to grow in our faith as we embrace the Sabbath life while continuing our series of looking in our local context of connecting, growing, and service. Or connect, grow, and serve. And, and our, our passage this morning begins. One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields. He is Jesus. And they, Jesus and the disciples, made their way um, and the disciples began plucks of grain. So what we're seeing here is Jesus and the disciples are walking through a wheat field. And the disciples are snapping off grains of, of wheat in their hands. And, 
and they're having a midday snack is what it comes down to. And this practice of walking through somebody's wheat field and, and having a midday snack was lawful in, according to the law of Moses in Deuteronomy 23.35 and was a common practice among the Hebrews in the Jewish tradition. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we see the same thing in our modern day. Just ask any wheat farmer or wheat farmer's kid. If you want a snack... Just go to the field. You simply grab the head of the stalk, which is a form of harvesting. And then you roll it in your hands, which is a form of threshing. And it separates the wheat from the chaff. And you throw it in your mouth and you chew it. It's hearty. It's nutritious. It fills you up and it tastes good. And you see, the, this is what the disciples were most likely doing. And, and it's, it's a doughy flavor, and it, feels, and it tastes good. And, and it's noteworthy to mention that in the context that this behavior was practiced and allowed in the nation of Israel and permitted by the law of Moses, there is nothing wrong with what the disciples are doing. They weren't stealing anybody's wheat. This isn't going over to Fresno State's cornfield and grabbing an ear or two of that tasty goodness for your house. That's stealing. Don't do it. This is just going ahead and practicing what God allows. And apparently there were some uh, religious leaders that were standing nearby that, that were talking loud enough to show their discontent of what they're witnessing of Jesus and the disciples are doing. And the concern was not stealing, but the actions of the disciples in plucking the heads of grain and then eating them. And just so we're clear in revisiting this, the actions of harvesting, breaking off the wheat, the actions of threshing and making that little snack, that's what they were condemning because it was on the Sabbath. That was permitted any other day of the week. You could go ahead and do that and have a snack, but not on the Sabbath according to the religious leaders. And we'll get more to this in a minute. See, under Jewish Sabbath law, it was that tradition that all work, all activity that is considered work, harvesting, threshing, that was not permitted on the Sabbath and needed to cease. And it was an honor to preserve the fourth commandment. Now, who thinks the Ten Commandments are God's word? Okay, there's some of us still don't. That's okay. I'm going to go with the side that it is the word of God. And the, and the fourth commandment is a very important commandment. And the Jews understood this and they wanted to, to get to the heart of this. The fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your sons, your daughters, your male or female slave, your livestock can't work. And the residents in your towns cannot. And for six days the Lord made the earth and the heavens and the sea and all that is in them. But on the seventh day he rested and therefore the Lord blessed the day, the Sabbath day, and consecrated it. Consecrated means made it holy. And of all the commandments, this is the one we struggle with the most. We may joke around that we struggle with the others, but this is the one that really hits the heart of who we are in 2023, America, 
You see, all religions and all cultures and traditions, they have um, values regarding worship and family, personal property and morality. But what sets God's people different is that we have all of that and one other. Is that we trust God enough to allow Him to make us holy by observing the fact that He sets us apart in Him as holy and He sets a day apart as being holy and then we as a set apart, set a day, resurrected people embrace that to allow ourselves to be renewed by the presence of a holy God. See, this commandment is one of the most grace-filled, beautiful commandments because it allows us to grow. It allows us to grow in ways that we don't really understand. It allows us to grow in our trust in God that he's going to provide that we can go ahead and cease from our labors for one day and that God will still provide enough. It allows us to grow in our fellowship as we set aside our schedules and connect with one each other as God's people. It allows us to grow in our worship as we gather together in the presence of God through the power of the Spirit and allows us to grow in our faith as God becomes more and more the focus point of our lives when we practice a Sabbath life. See, as God's people, we have this beautiful history and and an opportunity We are to live out the creation story. And in that creation story, God sets apart that how to form us to grow into holiness is to honor that Sabbath. And to do so, example to the surrounding nations that our God is different. Our God doesn't work on the world's economies. We have a kingdom economy that is built in a constant renewal and growth in our lives that we are not our life is not in pursuit of of economic and temporary pleasures and money but our our mindset is that of eternity and the sabbath is a vital part of this you see Judaism lays out these laws that you know that and that's what the Pharisees are talking about and it's easy to cast stones at the Pharisees and and beat up on them but they really wanted to go ahead and honor God so much they just made a bunch of rules for it We live in a nation of rules. We get it. Okay? That's all they were trying to do is to honor God. And so they wanted to just cease those activities that would dishonor God. So they set these rules that what the disciples were doing was technically working. They're harvesting and threshing if you want to get to the bare bones of it. But it's it's important that we don't cast aside the Pharisees and say, hey, those are religious leaders to justify us not honoring a Sabbath. Because if we go ahead and point blame on them and say, well, they're wrong and we don't practice the Sabbath the way that God designs it, then we're pointing the fingers at ourselves too. Both are extremes and both are dangerous and unhealthy and not God's design for our lives. And Jesus never stated anywhere that he exempts the Sabbath. And we're going to see in this in a moment. But what he calls into question is the purpose of the Sabbath and why God would have a Sabbath. And what, how do we grow in the Sabbath? And so one of the things we need to remember 
There we go. We can only give as much of ourselves until we run out of ourselves. I can be consumed just like a welding rod that you burn, 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 and then there's nothing but a stub. We can do that to ourselves when it comes to the work and the busyness of life as we justify ourselves and our actions. I don't know you, how about you, but are you starting to grow deaf to the phrase, it's just another busy week, it's just another busy month? You know, it's the season that's really busy. You know, it is Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, spring break, summer break, school season, summer season. And really what it is, is just another excuse to push off the fact that we are not living in the promised spiritual integrity that God desires us to have. God does not say that seasonal activities give his people an exemption <clears throat> to not honor him. Perfect example is during the harvest and the threshing season, God's people still had to take a Sabbath. And that meant the grain went unharvested. And the grain went unthreshed for a day. And it seems that in these busiest times, in these seasons that we like to call the exception to the rule, when we are at our busiest, that is when God wants us to have our most rest in him. So our activities don't become our God. See, when we cease doing that and we allow our activities to become the, the momentum and force and direction and focus of our lives, and we fail to practice the Sabbath life, we begin to experience exhaustion. Physical, mental, spiritual. And then we begin to experience a burnout. And then we begin to experience resentment. Because all of a sudden I'm exhausted. I have nothing left. And I feel guilty because everybody else is doing stuff and I don't like myself right now. And so I'm just going to get resentful. And then we think, well, you know, I can fix this. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go on a mini vacation. I just need to just get away and reset. Has anybody ever done that? I just did. <laughs> it doesn't work. You know, that's not what God is calling us to become. And I really, this hit home when I was gone last week. And what I'm saying is it's not important to get out of town. It's not saying to not take a vacation or a mini vacation or to get away. Quite the contrary, I encourage that. We probably don't do it enough. But if our motive is to get out of town because we're burnt out, then we're just putting a Band-Aid on an arterial bleed. And you're just going to die a little slower or feel like it. You see, nothing is going to help if we go on vacation because we are so burned out that we can't do another day. Because when we get back, you know what happens, right? That first day back at work, you got five weeks worth of work to do now in one week. And, to, and adding that to a schedule that is already humanly impossible to keep up with. So then we come up with the phrase, I just need a vacation for my vacation, right? See, I was thinking about this and it's like, where is the disconnect between what God would have us do and live and find rest and trust in him 
and the hecticness of our culture and society. And I thought about that a lot. Because I thought about something else too. There are some rocks in the ocean that the waves hit and they could really care less about anything in my life. And they are immovable and they don't change and God put them exactly where they are and they do exactly what God wants them to do. The question is, am I honoring God as much as that rock in my life if I go ahead and, and, and do not practice a holy Sabbath life? And the answer is no. That God some, or that rock sometimes is worshiping God better than I can. You see, one of the issues I found is that we're American. Hear me out. We are hardworking. Hard work is in our DNA. It is in our culture. It's in the very fabric of our society. And we pride ourselves on our hard work because we work hard, we play hard, and we worship God hard. We do. We champion the best employees and bosses for the sake of those that forsake everything else. Those that don't work overtime or, or really embrace properly being into the office and sacrificing family time does not value an organization properly. You want to get ahead in the world, you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to put your time in. You're going to have to put everything else aside and show us how committed you truly are. Even stay-at-home parents and, and those that are retired seem now to be in competition to be the hardest working, the hardest playing, the busiest, the most productive, the most active, and, and the most fulfilled in doing and doing and doing and doing and doing. We sleep less. And when we do, we sleep not well. We work more. We put more stress on our life. And we, quali- and we justify the time that we're going to spend with our families or whatever we're doing to renew is quality time instead of quantity. I tell you what, you will have no quality until you begin to invest in quantity. Quantity of time opens the door to quality time. Because in our culture, to take an entire day off every single week, completely, 100%, Sounds ridiculous and unproductive. We are the largest economy in the world. We are the driving force. We're a world power. We are innovative. We do all these things and taking a day off in our society. Could you imagine shutting down America for a day every single week? Do you think there's any nation in the world that's productive that would actually do that? Do you think it's just speculation that God's doing this? Have you ever heard of Germany? Are Germans lazy people? We inherited our American worth ethic from the Germans. They're industrious, they're hardworking, they're creative, they're focused. And they have a cultural tradition in their country to shut down every single business every Sunday. In fact, there's no work, there's no shopping, there's no fast food, there's no extra days, or there's no extra days in the office. In fact, there is, overtime is looked down upon in Germany. If you work overtime, it's because you are not 
functioning effectively enough to get your job done, to get your tasks done, to be res- you're being irresponsible and not a good steward of the time in which you are working. In the eyes of the German culture, the way that we work and drive ourselves into the ground would be considered unproductive and lazy because we are not accomplishing our task in a reasonable amount of time. The supermarkets are closed, so, top, or, so going to Costco and topping off your, your gas tank to go ahead and do that stopgap in between the weeks. You can't do that. So instead, what you'll see is people eating. People being and loving everywhere you look. They aren't pursuing They're investing. Groups of people laughing, enjoying each other's company, inside one another's homes or out on the streets, or just relaxing by themselves in the countryside or city, maybe reading a book or surfing the web. Do you think people would take notice, us here in Fresno, in Fresno County, if we began to take on that mindset? I do. I honestly do. Perhaps there's something more to this. Maybe, maybe God, in his design, actually knew what he was doing when he created us. That life is more than harvesting and threshing and overtime and extending our already busy schedules to the point of breaking. Maybe there's a balance between legalism and rejecting God's commandments. And since God rested on the Sabbath, Jesus practices the Sabbath, God instruction. God's word instructs us to take a Sabbath. Maybe we ought to go ahead and stop giving the Sabbath lip service and begin to live the Sabbath out as an example. See, our, in our text, the Pharisees are, are condemning the disciples about their perceived law-breaking actions as they move through the, uh, this wheat field. And Jesus responds to them, and, and he doesn't light them up, but he goes ahead and he, he calls them out. Here's the thing, all right, and this, I thought about this, and this would be a sermon for another day, but Jesus does not condemn his disciples. He does not justify their actions. He does not shrug his shoulders to the Pharisees and say like, eh, whatever, and passive aggression, right? And he doesn't offer an apology. We would be hard-pressed in our culture not to pick one of those three. If someone said to me, Jason, what do you think you're doing? I would have an, I, it, instantly I would get defensive and I would want an excuse. I'd want to justify my action. Jesus offers none. And there is something powerful in that message of itself for another day. See, instead, Jesus begins this conversation. He invites them into God's word and to a heart-filled response of God's grace and what the purpose of the Sabbath is. And he engages the onlookers and he says, have you ever read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God and ate the bread of presence, which was not lawful for anybody but the priest to consume. And he said to him, the Sabbath is not made for mankind, humankind, or the Sabbath was made for humankind, humankind was not made for the Sabbath. 
See, Jesus reminding these Pharisees that David and his companions were not struck dead because they did something. That David was not condemned by God for his actions by using the holy things of God for himself and his companions. And by no means don't take that to take God's holiness and make it common or profane. That's not what I'm saying. As I'm saying, the holy things of God have a purpose. The holy things of God are to bring life. And the holy things of God are also in a day, Sabbath, that we can gain and grow in life. The point is not what we're doing on the Sabbath. The point that Jesus is making is to whom we belong to on the Sabbath. Our work consumes us. Our lives consume us. Our tasks consume us during the week. Does God consume us at least one day of that? Do our hearts promote self-sufficiency or do our lives promote God-dependency? And then Jesus goes on to share that the Sabbath was made for humanity and we weren't made as slaves for the Sabbath. Which kind of tips the scales upside down. The Sabbath is for people to set us apart a space to let go of everything that doesn't belong and to begin to refill in our hearts and lives, all that does belong. To grow in our faith, to grow in our prayer life, to grow in understanding God's Word, to grow with God's people, to grow closer to God. You know, a Sabbath life is more than just growing on one day of the week. The Sabbath life is when we grow in the presence of God on Sunday mornings, Tuesday mornings during prayer meetings when we have in our Bible studies, when we're having our small groups, these are all ways that we can set aside a time for God's presence to grow. And Jesus is transforming this understanding of Sabbath as something we need to cherish as part of our life, so much so that just as we cherish breathing, eating, drinking water, we need those to live And if we aren't practicing a Sabbath life, we're not living in the fullness of God's plan. See, the Sabbath is a gift from God to all of His creation and for a way of creation to be in a constant state of restoration, renewal, and reconciliation. See, the Sabbath commandment encourages God's people to begin to trust Him enough to rest. Have you ever tried to... to, I should ask... Ashley and Oliver, this. You ever try to force those kids to take a nap? Doesn't work very well. You can't force anybody to take a Sabbath. Um, And God doesn't want to force anything upon us. But even with a child, I learned if I let them, if I have a set of time side that I can't make them sleep, but I can set a tide of space for them to just renew and grow. And I found out as a young dad, that really helps because it helped my kids learn to trust. That taught my kids life lessons. And sometimes they didn't like it. You know, I don't like going ahead and taking a day off, and sometimes I'm whiny about it, and I just want my pacifier in a bottle and work. And God's like, you got to knock it off, Jason. You got to take a time aside of a day Trust me. Think of it that. When we decide to take a Sabbath day, God is saying, trust me. 
I got you. And we say, I trust you. And you got me. You know, and then this, we notice how he, uh, Jesus includes all of humanity in this. He, humankind, humanity, everyone. The Sabbath is made for everyone, not just for God's people. And there seems to be that there's this cycle built into the Genesis creation of God instilling upon all of creation, including humanity, this cycle of rest. There's an inclusiveness of God's law that desires for his very good creation to be constantly renewed because of the effects of sin and brokenness in the world. And, and there's more to creation than achieving and success and, and work and task. And Jesus is instructing us that a Sabbath rest is a set-apart time as an act of love by God to benefit and grow us in our faith. So what is the benefit of Sabbath observance? It benefits us in wholeness, in faith, and in spiritual growth. It removes our minds, our bodies, and our souls. We are not made to fulfill its legal commands and demands as a form of, of personal achievement. I observe the Sabbath. And we brag about it. That's not what it's about. It's not about going ahead and telling people, you aren't doing it right. And being a religious bully. Just because someone doesn't practice the Sabbath the way that you think the Sabbath should be practiced. The Sabbath should be practiced by everybody individually and with purpose. And we're going to talk about that and how to look at this. The Sabbath is to make us more alive. The Sabbath is to make us more human, to be and to enjoy and to be reminded that we have a loving God that has a purpose and for purpose. And we forget that when we, we forget that God's purposes in the Sabbath and the rest in which we can enjoy when we push the limits of our mental and physical boundaries because we focus so much on the next task and the next task and the one more thing and the one more thing and the one more thing. To do, 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 until we're just completely done. And then we don't want to see anybody. We don't even want to show up to church. We're just done with life. We forget that God created us to be human beings and not human doings. God didn't create human doings. He created a human being. And Jesus shares that he's the that he, the, the Son of Man, is Lord even over the Sabbath. And in his statement, he claims that Jesus claims this, that he has the authority to be Lord, to be God over, to be the owner of, and over and above all Sabbath and all the practices therein. So how do we spend our Sabbath? should be to exalt to worship, to glorify, and enjoy the lordship of Jesus in our lives. That is the essence of Sabbath. That is how God designed us to be. As we grow in faith as his people, we don't earn a Sabbath rest. It's not a paycheck as a product of your labor. It's not vacation time. Sabbath rest is a gift of love by God for his grace because he knows our bodies better than we know ourselves. And he designed us to, to rest in his presence one day a week. And through Jesus, give him 
exalt and glory and his and to understand that he is lord over us and to be renewed and reminded of that often see by christian tradition the uh we recognize saturdays as sabbath right yes good as a firefighter i worked on sundays as a pastor i work on sundays so what do i do with that What happens if I have a job that requires me to work on Sundays? Do I quit it? All of a sudden it got really quick, quiet, because you know what I was going to do if someone goes, quit your job. (laughs) I wouldn't. I can't. It's not my job. It's God's call. You can't quit God's call. That would be ridiculous to quit our job because we're forced to work on a Sunday. But what happens if we cannot take Sunday as our Sabbath? We just pick a different day to refresh and rest in the presence of God. And we do that every single week. If we have a rotating schedule, we built it into the rotating schedule. And hear me, it doesn't mean that we cease all activities or all activities. You know, diapers have to get changed on the Sabbath. Sorry, Oliver. But what it is, it's the motive of our heart. And it's the calling of everything under the authority of Jesus that reminds us of who we are, who God is, and what he designed us to become. And we ask ourselves, are our Sabbath actions promoting us to grow in our faith and our trust in the Lord as Lord over all? And we check our motives. Are they in the pursuit and desire to catch up for the next week or not? If they are, we should question them. If we're trying to get a leg up on what is to come rather than being present and focused on now with God, we are not receiving the gift in which God intended. See, God's gift of Sabbath renews us and allows us to be more human. And, and we see even God rests on the Sabbath and in doing so revealed a heart that God enjoys his creation. It's on, this, on the seventh day, God said, this is very good. Perhaps we can enjoin with God and enjoy his creation the way he designed it. You ever seen a small kid spend a bunch of time on a drawing? The response, that completion of, of a kid doing this drawing is twofold. One, that child is offering a stunning masterpiece, enjoying of the creativity in which God gave them to develop and also to share that final product with everybody they know. And two, it goes on display. Sometimes it's on the fridge, and every time you open the fridge, you get to see that picture of that masterpiece that that child drew and enjoy it on a regular basis. And it reminds us of what's important in life. God does that for us too, doesn't he? He invites us to regularly enjoy his handiwork like a child offers it to their parents. A creation that he made, a creation that he enjoys, is a creation that he shares with us to enjoy and to invite others to enjoy as well. When we engage in a Sabbath life, we are actually participating in God's goodness as a form of a gift that is to be received as an act of worship. 
The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, and the Sabbath life is a vital part of that. And if we aren't practicing a Sabbath life, we are not enjoying God to the fullness of which we can, and we're not going, we're not going to glorify Him as much as we can. The Sabbath is made for the renewal and growth of people to do good, to bring healing, to exalt, worship, glorify, and enjoy Christ's Lordship. To do so without justification, without excuse, and without guilt. Without shame. To do so without condemning others. To pursue activities that bring forth life instead of death. To focus on what's lasting instead of what's just here today, gone tomorrow. And it means for some that you don't turn your computers on and check an email to catch up on work. For others, it might be don't run errands as a stopgap. For all, it means to check your motives before God on His purposes to see if our actions are glorifying God, exalting Him and worshiping Him and enjoying Him and His presence. Do we even recognize God's presence among us on our Sabbath time? And the Sabbath displays God's redemptive love, the redemptive love of God as we live life together, enjoy the good, embrace life, love God, others, and His creation, and we begin to love ourselves. And as God's love flows through us, so it flows through to others. And so thanks be to God for His grace that reminds us of how to live a Sabbath life. A life of grace, a life of His gift. It reminds us of that that cycle of life that God set and put in our DNA at, at, at creation to, to showing everybody around us that there's a better way to live. There's a better way to live than nonstop work or stagnant legalism. A life that reveals trust, of faith, of worship, and a love as we grow closer to God and enjoy Him forever. Perhaps I'm the only one that struggles with living a Sabbath life. If that's the case, thanks be to God. I'll continue to work on it, but I doubt it. The encouragement and the challenge for us is to ask some hard questions. What changes in your schedule are required to have a Sabbath life? Or does your life look more like what it is to not have a Sabbath? How do we view our Sabbath life through legalism or through grace? And does a Sabbath life help us to grow in our faith? God created the Sabbath for you. To you to enjoy His presence as a gift of love. So your heart, soul, mind, and strength may be renewed. That you can, that He can say to the world, these are my holy people that trust me enough that they stand in my presence on this day that I have set aside together to glorify me as I renew and grow them. The Sabbath is a beautiful gift. <clears throat> let's, let's use it the way that God intended. If you are able, would you please stand for a blessing? Put your hands out to receive it. May the God of the Sabbath be known as the God that gives you rest. May you enter the mission field. May your souls be renewed. May you be refreshed from the cool living streams of living water. And may you understand the gift of rest is a gift of growth as you embrace a Sabbath life. 
while we connect, grow, and serve in our communities. Amen. You are sent. Enjoy the day.